This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. The core, everybody say the core. Well, what does that mean? Well, the core is the the absolute central focal point. Uh, it's It's the motor, it's the machine, it's the hub of something great in, in life. Well, in this particular uh, situation, what we're looking at is four core promises of the Word of God that I feel all the promises of the Lord, over 3,500 promises from God in His Word, they all really come from this core passage of Scripture found in the book of Exodus chapter 6. If you'd like to turn to Exodus 6, looking at verses 6 through 7, And what we're studying today is this fourth promise. If you've missed this series, you need to go online or go into our church app. You need to listen to them, study them, get a grip on them because they really are the foundation. It's the floor. It's the foundation of your promises from God for your life. How many of you want to receive and live out the promises of God? Amen, everybody? Exodus 6 will be our text. Here we go. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you to me for people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." If you'll notice in King James rendering, there are four I will promises from God. And and here they are. First being in verse 6, I will bring you out. God's plan for all humanity is to allow him the, the, the divine privilege that he, you want to bless the Lord by allowing him that privilege of being your Savior. He wants to bring you out of sin. He knows who you are, but he wants you to get to know him. And how you get to know God is by reaching up, taking his hand, and letting him bring you out of your life of sin. The first and foremost, most precious promise from God is he wants to save you. God's plan for all humanity is to be saved. And we're speaking of an eternal salvation. If you really want to strip it down to old southern language, God's plan for you is to go to heaven and to live with him and worship him forever. That's really God's plan. If if, if you're saying to yourself, wonder what God's plan for my life is, you need to start asking the first question, are you saved? And God's first step in your life, he wants to save you. And then it says he wants to, I will rid you out. I will get rid of all of the issues that sin has brought on your life. Okay? We're just doing a little recapping right now over the last few weeks. You got yourself into sin because of your Adamic nature. Only God could get you out of sin. But once you're out of sin, now you become a partner with God in getting out of the issues that you have in life. Getting out of sin is a work of God's grace. How long does it take? It's instant. Getting you out of sin is a matter of repenting of your sin. It's an instant work of God's grace. But getting free 
from issues that sin's brought on your life is a process of time. We love our instant work of grace, but we get frustrated in the process of being set free. We want to be delivered and set free from issues instantly. And in some cases it happens, but, but in other cases it takes a process of time of working through addictions, working through problems, working through uh, the results of a many a year of bad choices. Are you with me so far? But God wants to set you free. You can know salvation and you can know freedom if you're willing to hang in there long enough with God and give grace the space of time to do the work in your life. Somebody said it this way. It, you didn't get to this place overnight, and it's not going to get better overnight. You're going to have to give God some time to work out some of the kinks that sin put into your world. Somebody say amen. amen. And then he says, I will redeem you, or I'm going to repurpose you. I'm going to, I'm going to buy you back in, at the act of salvation and then while I'm working on your life, setting you free from issues, I'm going to reveal to you what was the original purpose that I had for you before sin got a hold of you. I had a purpose in your life. And you don't know that purpose because you've been living in sin all these years. But now that you're free from that, let me redeem you and show you your original purpose. We learned what that was last week, didn't we? The original plan and purpose for God is real easy. It's to save you, set you free from issues, and then you love God by loving other people. You serve God by serving other people. Let me paraphrase a little scripture for you. We, we can't say that we love God that we've not seen if we don't love each other that we see daily. Are you with me so far? So what we're looking for is to live out this purpose and then ultimately our fourth and final promise of which we will deal with today. He says, I will take you to me as a people. And if you notice, what we're seeing here is we're moving from the singular form of what God has in store for me. Everybody say me. And now we see the plan of God for we. Everybody say we. God wants to take you individually. He doesn't save groups. He saves individuals. But then he takes saved individuals and hooks them up with other saved individuals because there's strength and power in unity and togetherness. Everybody say we are, we are better, better together. That's right. It's a, it's, a, it's a little cliche. It's a little saying. It's real popular from the corporate world to the church world. It's the truth, though. We're better together. And what God wants to do is, is to be a Lord to you, be a God to you as a people. And, and how we're going to do that is we're going to be able to know what it is to live a fulfilled life. So let's get started in this morning's session. God's plan for you is for you to live a fulfilled life. There's a church word. It's actually not a church word in its original, but over time the church culture has taken it and we've made it a churchy word. Everybody know what those churchy words are? Have you heard churchy word? Um, here's a churchy word for you that, that is used uh, greatly in the body of Christ and it's universal. 
doesn't matter if you're of the body of Christ in, in Chile or Spain or Europe uh, or, 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 or in China, if you were to happen to be in an underground church, here in America, we, we say the word hallelujah. So I want all of us to out loud say it. Say hallelujah. It's a funny word, isn't it? It's a fun word. It's, it's found in songs. It's found in conversations. I've heard people say hallelujah at ball games. I've said hallelujah on the golf course. When I thought I lost that golf ball and I looked through those weeds and I found it, I, hallelujah, I found it. Well, we say hallelujah when, when our spouse or our, or our family member at the family gathering brings our favorite dessert and they put it in front of us, hallelujah. We say it so often in so many different ways. Um, and really what we're saying is an expression of happiness, of rejoice. We're celebrating something fantastic and we express it by the word hallelujah. And whether it be through worship and praise because God is super fantastic and we give him our hallelujah or if God does a work in our lives and we're grateful for that, we say, hallelujah. Well, let us break that word down and understand really where it's coming from. There's a, the first portion of that word, hallel, H-A-L-L-E-L. Hallel really refers to celebrating and rejoicing or boasting an exclamation of victory after someone has experienced a level of fulfillment. Hallel. And if you were to study this word through your commentaries that theologians have given to us as believers, you'll come across this expression that it means to live a large life, living large, on top of the world, living on top of the mountain. The Hallel life means you've got the world by the tail, and life is good. Somebody made a fortune on that little phrase through apparel and hats and bumper stickers. Life is good. Well, when life is good, it's the halal life. When you're living a large life, a blessed life, you're living life at its finest. Everything may not be going your way, but yet the way you see it, you're on top of the mountain. You're living the halal life. God's plan is to save you and to bring you out of sin, to set you free from the issues that sin has truly rooted in you, and you're having to work through those over time. And God's plan is to reveal to you your ultimate plan and purpose. That's to love him and love your neighbor. And then he wants you to live a large life, the life of fulfillment. And I'm preaching to a 9 o'clock service that unfortunately not everyone in this room 
is living the life of fulfillment. Not all of us are living John 10 and 10. John 10 and 10, and the King James says that the, the thief comes for these purposes, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have, everyone say life, life, life and that they may have it more abundantly. But yet I find it interesting that the Living Bible speaks it this way, that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, the purpose of the Lord, my purpose is to give life, everyone say life one more time, life in all its fullness. God's plan for you is to live a large life. I'm telling you, God's plan for his body, for his church, is for every single one of us to be fulfilled, to be complete, to be whole, to be living the life that's, no, we're not immune from challenge. I, I, I so appreciate the vulnerability of our guest, Chris Biano, today, as, as he expressed the tragedy of losing his father, and then he was so honest to, to describe the true, real-life sensation of fear when he sees the genetic link of cancer through his family. But the fulfilled life is not ignoring reality. The fulfilled life is recognizing the reality, but putting God slap dab in the middle of your reality and saying, I still trust in the Lord, and I'm still going to put my confidence in God. Let me just, let me make it plain. Have you ever bumped into somebody at a funeral for their own loved one, but yet they, they smiled their way through it, they shook every hand, and they thanked you for your attendance, and they looked at you, though. You, you were a loss for words. You didn't know what to say, but the believer looked at you and said, we're going to get through it. God is still God. He's still on the throne. You want to know what that is? That's a person that's living a large life. You ever known someone that was behind? Always on the bottom looking up, couldn't pay the bills, running in bankruptcy even possible. I've, I've ran into people in this church that the unfortunate setbacks of the economy has brought bankruptcy upon them. They don't ignore it. They don't deny it. But even in the matter of being low in this world's economy, they throw their hands in the air and says, we don't understand how it's going to work out, but God's going to bring us back. We're going to one day look down and see that old thing in our history, and we're going to say, look at what God has done. You know what that is? That's a large life. Because large living, unlike the world says, because the world says about an athlete or a celebrity or someone of great wealth, they'll say, boy, he lives large. That's not what God's speaking of because you don't want to claim how big your life is based on what's in your pockets. Can I get an amen, somebody? What you want to base your life is on what's going on in your heart. And when God's fulfilled you and when he's completed you and when you're walking around, you can have empty pockets, but your heart's exploding with the love of God. You've seen the faithfulness of God. You've seen the consistency of God. You've tasted the love of God. That's why you can say you're a good, good father. That's who you are, and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. Man, that's called living a large life. Yeah. Ask your neighbor real quick, ask him, how you living? Yeah, how you living? 
Growing up in growing up in Southwest Louisiana, man, we had some sayings that just really they just really were embarrassing. They didn't make hardly any sense. And some of y'all got Louisiana roots. Our, our guest today, they said he was from Nashville. I'm gonna just go ahead and tell you that boy ain't from Nashville. He's from Beaumont, Texas. And we people from Beaumont, even Louisiana people acclaim people from Beaumont. It's close enough. Living down in the South, we said, man, we living high on the hall. That's just plum country. High on the hall. You know, back there where the cracklings are. Back there with the good fat. Back, back there where it's sweet. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell y'all something right now. I'm, let me preach to you this morning. God's plan for you is to live so high, to live so big, not based on this world's economy, but, but in heaven's dynamic, in heaven's perception. Because you realize that you're just living in a temporary moment of time. And you can't build how you're, you, you can't live off of what your eyes are seeing. You got to live by what your heart's feeling. Because one day you will be walking on streets of gold. One day you'll be living in the glory land, giving God the very best worship you got. Man, if you've been saved, and if you've been set free, and if you know your purpose, guess what? You're living pretty large. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Fulfilled. Let me give you a few reasons why most people miss out on this life of fulfillment. Here's one. They choose to live in their past instead of their future. They're still stuck in yesterday. Well, what's yesterday? You know, that life of sin. Well, what's yesterday? That process of being set free. You can't live your life always looking back over your shoulder. Here's how I say it. I reach back into my yesterday just to keep a good, honest touch on where God's brought me from. But that's not where I'm heading. I reach back to my yesterday just to remind me how good he's been. But that's not my future. I reach back, even, to, even if it's not my former life of sin, even if it's just back in history. I love my history. I respect my history. I love and honor my upbringing, but that's not my future. That's where I've been. That's not where I'm going. A lot of people get themselves in trouble. When all they have is a past. You can't leave your life blessing God by living in your past. You've got to live into where God's taken you. Matter of fact, you can't call yourself a dreamer if all you've got are memories. Memories are not going to take you anywhere other than back. And what happens most of the time, you can have such a fond memory of yesterday, if you were to dare so and pack a suitcase and try to go there, it's really not what you thought it was anyway. That's where people get themselves in trouble in past relationships. All of the married men and women in the room, just let Pastor Tommy help all of us. Facebook, social media, uh, when you get back into those childhood memories, boy, she was a looker, right? Oh, boy, he was suave, right? Well, listen to me. You can go back there in your mind, and all it's going to do is take you back into failure. That's in your memory. Past jobs, past economies, past, past experiences with God. 
You know how many people get to a certain age where the newer model and the newer experience of church doesn't look like they used to look? And all of a sudden we reach back and say, oh, but I miss those days when. Well, those days were good when? When they were happening. Now God's doing a new thing and God's wanting to take you with to a new experience. He's God's not moving backwards. God's moving forward and he's wanting to take you with him. Someone clap your hands to the Lord this morning. To prove my example, I want all of you that drove today, when you get out to the parking lot, I want to start your truck and start your car, and I want you to put it in drive, but you're not allowed to look through the windshield. You can only look through your rearview mirror, and I want you to floor it. I want you to drive as fast as you can drive, only looking in the rearview mirror, but while in drive. And then you would say, hallelujah, amen, the preacher knows what he's talking about. Why in the world would we throw our life into drive and expect God to take us somewhere if all we're wanting to do is look into yesterday? You're not going to be fulfilled and live a life of victory and overcoming abundance if you're determined to be crippled by your past. God saved you from that, and now he's wanting to take you further into your future. Someone clap your hands one more time to the Lord. Psalm 38, verses 4 and 6, we see my guilt, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden, too heavy to bear. I'm bowed down and I'm brought low. You spend too much time looking into your yesterday, you'll feel the guilt of something that grace has already forgiven. You know how many people are still wallowing and, and, and laying down in their guilt and shame of what's already been forgiven? Just recently, I was able to spend a couple hours with Bishop Ron, just the two of us. Those are days I, I cherish. And we got to looking through our, our friendships, our network of men and women, whether they be in the ministry or not in the ministry, but people that have fallen of, of, from, from great heights. They've fallen from, from that to low life because of poor choices. But then when the grace of God sets them free, what happens, they spend the rest of their lives trying to apologize and, and trying to make things right. And, and they're always constantly bringing up what God's already buried. If the Lord's forgiven you of your sin, if he's already washed you and set you free, leave it at the foot of the cross and don't go back and pull that stuff up. Leave it alone and let time be your best friend because you put a little time with grace, brother and sister, you'll find a life of fulfillment. Someone say amen. Second thing that we have happen to us oftentimes that keeps us from being fulfilled is we let culture define us instead of the love of the Lord. We allow culture to call the shots. And while culture is not a bad thing in and of itself, most of the things in our culture is not taking us towards the Hillel life or the blessed life. It's, it's becoming, uh, it, it wants to impede, it wants to become an obstacle to keep you from being fulfilled. Culture wants to pull you down, not pull you up. Another thing that keeps us back is we try to do it all by ourselves. Let me reiterate, you can only be saved by yourself. God's not going to save your family. 
He's not going to save your, your, your community. He saves individuals. And But then everything changes. Once you're saved, once your heart's forgiven of sin, God's plan for you is to not do life alone. God's plan for you is to partner. His plan for you is to be a part with a partner, to be a part of something greater than yourself. He wants to move you from just me to a we dynamic of living. Someone say amen this morning. So therefore we jump into if those things keep us from the blessed, abundant, halal life, then what can help us establish that blessed, halal, abundant life even greater? So for the next few minutes, let me tell you how to put deep roots down to live the hallelujah life. Turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 1. 2 Timothy, chapter 1. Verse number 9, and I choose to read this from the New Living Translation of Scripture. God saved us and then called us. Saved. Everybody look up here to the illustration. Saved, brought out of Egypt. Saved, knowing God. And then he calls us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was his idea. It was a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. God's plan for you, God's plan for me is to save us, set us free from the results of sin over a lifetime, let us know our purpose, and live a life of fulfillment, but you have to say yes to the calling. Many are called, but few are chosen. Who are the chosen? Those that choose to be chosen. That say yes to the calling. Yeah. Huh. Hey, as a fun example, as a fun example, how many of you have ever been screened and you know you were being screened when you called somebody? You ever telephoned somebody and you just knew with all your heart, they saw that. They screened me. You ever had that happen? Lenora screens me three times a day. I know she screens me. I've looked through the window before and watched her go, nah, not right now. Father, I, I repent of my sin. That was totally false. Well, I thought I would try this example the other day here at the church. I was standing in the church lobby on Friday. I believe it was Friday, Friday or th Thursday or Friday. I was standing in the lobby, and, and, and we were moving around some furniture out there. And I looked out the window, and I thought, well, my goodness, there's my friend Adam Shepard. There's Adam Shepard going across the parking lot, walking to his car. And, and, and I, I call him Adam. All of us know him as Blake Shelton. So I, 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 I pulled my cell phone out, and I thought, let's just test this theory out. And I'm watching him. And so help me, Jeff, Blake Shelton, in the flesh, takes his phone out, and he goes, And it, I, I see it hit him. I bet he's watching me right now. <laughs> and oh, Adam goes, hello? 
And I'm like, what are you doing? This is AT&T. You're supposed to be at work right now. Why are you not at work? Oh, man, where are you? Where are you? Busted. And he said, dude, I've got the whole day off. Relax. I said, oh, good. Check this out. When God's calling you, when God's calling you to go higher, when he speaks to your heart, when he whispers in your mind, when he taps you on the shoulder from a divine touch and says, come with me a little higher. Come with me to a calling that's greater than anything you've ever experienced. A calling to prayer. A calling to blessing. A calling to giving. A calling to worship. A calling to serving. Come with me a little higher. Are we looking at our, at our spiritual cell phone, so to speak? Or are we looking at our hearts and saying, mm, I'm just not sure if I want to take that call right now. Those that are being called, if we'll just say yes to the calling, guess what? It's an open door to the fulfillment of God's blessing in our lives. The only way we miss it, the only way we miss it is if we screen God. So let's not screen the Lord when he's calling us. Say yes to the calling of the fulfilled life. He said he saved me and then he called me to this holy work. Say yes to the calling of God that's on your life. Saying yes can really be summed up with this statement. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. By loving people, serving people, I want to make a difference. It's a very blunt, black and white statement. I want to make a difference. If you could get to the point in your life where you throw your hands in the air to the Lord in prayer and you literally say, I want to make a difference. You are securing yourself in living this blessed life of fulfillment. I want to make a difference. Because the calling to the holy work is do you want to make a difference in someone else's life? The holy work, God's work, is making a difference in other people's life. I want to make a difference. Well, that takes you to number two of three points before we dismiss you this morning. I want to make a difference. But then secondly, you have to be a part of a cause that's greater than yourself. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me Unless I use it, use what? My life. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I wish I had all afternoon to read that scripture over and over again with the lens of the core. Think about the process. He wants to save you. He wants to set you free from your life's issues. He reveals to you by redemption the ultimate plan for your life. Yeah. Loving God by loving others. Serving God by serving others. And he wants you to live fulfilled. How do you do it? By saying, I want to make a difference. Well, how do I make a difference? By finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. What's the work? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. 
You spend your life signing up every day to make a difference by sharing the love of Jesus Christ, which is a cause greater than anything else, you will be fulfilled. You spend your life on causes that are lesser than the cause of Jesus, then all you will be is tired, all you will be is depleted, all you will be is bitter because there's no harvest, there's no manifestation, there's no harvest of what you've done. But if you will put the time and the seed into loving other people, you will see the harvest of God's grace come upon your life because you're living out the full plan of God. So, I want to make a difference, and I want to make a difference by doing something that makes a difference. Friends of mine out of this state are in a financial difficulty. So a mutual friend of mine contacted me and said, I'm thinking about sending them a check. I said, man, that would be, that's awesome. I said, how much about the situation do you know? He said, I just saw on social media. I said, oh, well, don't worry about that. Let me tell you what's going on. I just spent an hour on the phone with them. This is where they are. Well, after we talked, I explained to him, send the check. There's no way you can lose. God's going to bless you for that. But I do want you to know that your one-time check is not going to make a difference in the pickle they're in. They're going to need a divine miracle of God to completely lift them up and pull them out of the situation. Write the check because you'll be blessed. But just know that it's going to have to be a miracle of God. Here's my point. When we're trying to make a difference in this world by our own gifts, it's really not going to put a dent in this world. What we have to do is approach the things of this world by something that's going to make a difference. And that's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do that through different measures. But if we do all of the work that we want to do without the gospel of Jesus Christ mixed in it, it's just another blanket. It's just another sandwich. It's just another handout. But when you put a blanket or a sandwich or a handout built on the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's how differences are made. So I want to make a difference, but I want to make a difference, Miss Donna, by doing something that's going to make a difference. And that's telling somebody that Jesus wants to save you. He wants to set you free from your issues, and he wants to have a long-lasting, eternal relationship with you. Somebody say amen. That's all right. Clap your hands. That's good. That's good. And then last but not least, before I pray over you, you want to make a difference by doing something that's making a difference, and you want to do it with people that want to make a difference. Here's what the Bible says about strength. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Everyone say, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. One person doing the work of God is great. Two people, Pastor Don, is better. One person loving the lost is good, but two people loving the lost is better. One person standing in this sanctuary all by his lonesome worshiping is good, but when we all get in here and worship, it's better. 
Someone say amen. I want to make a difference by doing something that makes a difference, but I want to do it with people that are making a difference. We're better together. Stand with me this morning. We haven't done this in several weeks. I gave word to our prayer partners that we would do this today. I would like all of us to step down front close as we can this morning. I want to pray a blessing over you. We're coming to a conclusion in this series. And I felt in the very middle of my week that I wanted to end this series by just praying a blessing over you today. If you're comfortable coming as close as you can, I'd love for you to. Charles, I love you, man. I love you and Dana. That's my buddy right there. Anybody get sideways with Pastor Tommy, they got to take it up with Charles. And if you're wondering who Charles is, you need to look more than once. You'll see who Charles is. And if Charles can't handle it, Dana can, because she's the one that takes care of Charles when he gets sideways. Come on down close, guys. I just want to pray over you and bless you. It's been a fun month for me. I shared this with our church either last week or the week before. Pardon me for not remembering when, but I made mention of it. Our church is in a, it's such a unique, wonderful place of ministry. It's different. It's unique. It's special. Pastoring Calvary Church is, I'm living the dream. It's a great church. But there's work involved pastoring this church because... When you have a 9 o'clock service, a lot of folks, such as this good man, my friend, if you don't know him, this is Gordon Patton. Gordon knows the Bible a thousand times better than me. And that's why I keep Gordon close to me. And that's why I do breakfast with Gordon. That's why we talk. That's why we share notes. That's why we share books. Because he's brilliant. He's very wise. But I want you to understand this. Revelation through the Holy Ghost over these last few weeks has allowed a younger preacher, a younger man of God, to show illuminating, powerful revelation to even the most established that are sincere in wanting to further themselves. Now, an older, more established, calloused, Individual that says, by God, you don't know anything. I'm never moving. For, you know, I'm, I'm in the rearview mirror type guy or, or gal. Well, that's a hopeless cause for a preacher because that's someone that's just really wanting to go back. And for people that want to go back, they're probably not going to make it here because I, I don't have anything to go back for. But for people that are wanting Brother Bradley to really get a grip on the plan of God, because really that's what our children want to know. What's the plan of God? What's the purpose of God in my life? There's a, there's a young man in this service, and I purposely will not acknowledge who he is, but there's a young man in this service right now that has had private conversations with me, struggling, asking this sincere question. What's the plan of God for me? See, I spent half my ministry. Well, the plan of God for you, and it would just be pure doctrine. Doctrine. And... God knows we need doctrine. That's, that's bedrock. But for a lot of people, 
They just want to know how does that work in my life. They want it to move from head knowledge to life application. I can learn 2 plus 2, Miss Donna, is 4. I can be taught that. But how do I take that now and work that in my life? Oh, okay, so two pieces of pizza plus another two pieces of pizza. See what I'm saying? How does that work in my, what's life app got to do with this thing? I trust that over the last few weeks, by the help of the Holy Spirit, that you see the life application of the plan of God and how it all works. One last time as a recap. If you want to know, or if anyone else wants to know, Coach Bobby, if a player on your team wants to know, Coach, I don't really know the Lord. What's his plan for my life? He wants to save you. In all the stuff that you've had to deal with in sin, he wants to help you get over that. And while you're getting over that, God wants to show you really, really what makes a difference. And that's loving other people while you're loving him. And serving other people while you're serving him. And if you really want to be happy, if you really want to be fulfilled, say yes to making a difference by sharing the love of Jesus Christ with other people and doing it with someone else because life is better in a church that's making a difference. This is Life App. Donna, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's moving from head knowledge to street cred. Actually putting it into action, Brittany. So I want to pray over you and I want to bless you. What are you praying and blessing for you to say yes to the, to the calling and say yes to the call and say yes to partnering with someone else along the life's journey? That's what I want to bless. Lord Jesus, I bless my brother and my sister. If, if he or she today is a first-time guest, I pray this blessing over them. Because this is not just applying to a local church. This applies to the children all over the planet Earth. We say yes to the calling on our life to finish the work of Jesus Christ that's in us for other people. Let us be clear in how we share your love for other people. They only... They only care to know how much we care about them. They don't really care to know what we know. They want to know how much we care. So after we share our love, we then share what we know. We connect before we correct. We love before we share. So Father, right now, all over this room, let every man, woman, and for the few students that are in this service, let us be clear that we want to make a difference for your church. And we're going to do that by loving other people and sharing the good news of you. And we're going to do it together. I pray a blessing over this church in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen.